What's happening, everybody? We're back for another Windy City Storm Hockey Roundtable. We're here with the principal, Mr. Belding, Rob Rassi. Rob, how are you doing today? Doing great, Toph. Happy to be back. <laughs> and then the director, Billy Walsh, Entourage, Ryan Ward. What's up? What's up, Toph? Happy to uh, be back at a small uh, little lapse there, but here we go. <laughs> here we go. Okay, so we are here in the new conference room at the Windy City Storm offices here. And uh, this is this is pretty nice, Wardle. Yeah, I, I'm extremely pleased with how this came out. I'm excited for uh, our staff to have these working conditions. It's a little uh, think tank in a think tank. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm sure we could go farther on that, but we'll nip that in the bud right here. So today we are going to talk about positionless hockey. And saw a couple of things. I was tagged on a couple of things on social media this week on uh, positionless hockey. And it's one of those, let's call it buzzwords, I think, in the youth hockey and hockey world right now where I feel like a lot of people are saying it, but I don't really feel like a lot of people are working hard to define it. Um, but there's some value to talking about it that way because there are certain things about quote-unquote positionless hockey that I think are good for development in the way that we play the game now. So uh, we're going to go through kind of what we think positionless hockey is and how it can be beneficial and, and kind of define it for people in a way that we, I guess, want to define it. But uh, are you guys in agreement? Like, is this one of those things that people just like to say but don't really get into the nitty-gritty of what it actually is? Yeah, I, I think... I think listen, positionless hockey is a is a great idea and and you know, I've heard so many different people talk about different ideas about you know, how to how to make that happen at the end of the day just for organization and how to play the game. I think it is a huge buzzword, but I think there you know, we'll dive into some things here on the on the pod that uh will kind of define what we think people mean. What about you, Ras? Yeah, honestly, until you, you said you wanted to talk about positionless hockey, I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> uh, a lot of the concepts around it, I had just never heard it called that before. Yeah. Maybe I'm not in the inner circles of the interwebs. Um, but yeah, I, I think it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And Yeah, I feel like it's a bad branding issue. Because like positionless hockey, you almost think of like just chaos out on the ice. No structure at all. And, and it, like for people that don't, understand the game and haven't been in it for a while when they hear that I, I f like maybe you're a parent that doesn't really get it like you're just like what did what does that mean like I don't even know but they're like and that's always I mean in a coach's room it's always uh, a back and forth between coaches and like how much structure do you give versus creativity versus letting them play a little bit versus giving them spots to go to and so I don't know I just think it's a good debate and I think it's good to talk about just to kind of hash through kind of what we think and just kind of go from there I don't know what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's Let great. It we can actually probably go through all three zones and talk about it, I think. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of different things we teach that are, um, you know, every, we just go through the D zone, the neutral zone, and the offensive zone, and kind of what we mean by it. Sweet. I like that. All right, let's Good go idea, there. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, principal. <laughs> That's why you're the director. Okay, so why don't we start in our own zone? Um, so first things first, why don't we talk about, like, coming back into our zone positionless hockey um ras start with you what's what are, what are some concepts in terms of positionless hockey that you think can be relevant to our own zone yeah i think it it starts with um the, you talk about return to d zone right and any coach and you can draw up d zone coverage mostly off of face-offs right because things are pretty controlled but 
with the way that the game is, there's so much movement. Like, no situation is going to be the same, right? Obviously, you'd love to draw it up where, hey, this D goes here. Hey, this center goes here. The winger goes here. And the weak side winger goes in that front. It doesn't always happen that way, just the way that the game flows. One guy might be the first guy back to the zone, uh, and the center might be trapped down low, and he might have to return and fill into a winger spot. Um, so I, I think there's the, the return to D zone is based off of the many different situations that can happen in a game. Right. I mean, it's it's no two situations are going to happen the same time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's going to be it's going to be different. So I think uh, in establishing positionless hockey in the D zone is you identify most, in, in my opinion, like what would be the first guy back into the zone? What would the second guy back into the zone first forward back? We want to go low and support the puck. Be that second quick. Right. Like I think in, in that's how you kind of def- that's how you kind of define that is who's the first forward back, who's the first D back, doesn't matter if you're left, right, left wing, right wing, whatever it is. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, no, I think we always talk about, and I think the, the biggest thing for me is is talking about numbers at the puck getting back into the D zone, right? So we always talk about owning the middle of the ice as wingers coming back, um, inside out, defending between the dots, protecting the house, whatever every coach wants to call it. Um, we talk, we say it's owning the middle of the ice. And for me, it's having numbers at the puck. So first guy back, whether you're a D or a low forward, you're number one. Number two, you're getting in there second quick, we call it, to make sure that uh, we have support. We want to stall the cycle. We want to make sure that, um, you know, people don't have a ability to change sides on us. Um, and then we, you know, me personally, I call the third guy back in the zone the nipple guy, um, where he's flexed out and is is able to defend F three or um, be a pop option to exit our zone. So for me, it's one, two, three, four, five, right? And it could be any combination of players on the ice are the one, two, three, four, five guys. In fact, I just showed a clip to my 08 team um, this this week of a defenseman playing wing and hitting the weak side defenseman on an exit from one of our games. So for us, it's one, two, three, and then four and five protect the middle. And um, obviously in D zone, like we don't get into a whole drawing, you know, structure thing. It's D zone is a read and all about puck pressure and outnumbering at the puck. That's my thing. And anyone can do it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it leads like right into the breakout, like you were saying. It's all tied together. Everything is tied together. So you go back, you get into your, let's call them spots, whether it's one, two, three, four, five. And then it's important for everybody to understand, let's call it the structure of the breakout. So then you can go and you have your different options when you, once you start to get the puck, whether it's from a dump in or whether it's from winning a battle off of your D zone coverage. And the more you can have everybody understand what everybody's role is, so you can go back and get into those spots and it doesn't have to be forward, left winger, right winger, center, whatever. Um, it just, it all ties together. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like people talk about the age old hockey sense debate and things like that. But if you see a, if you see a, a centerman covering for the net front D, right? Like everyone's going to think that guy's pretty smart, but at the end of the day, like it's how you teach returning, coming into D zone. You know what I mean? And, and I think for me, like getting into those spots from with everyone as, you know, a whole, a team, uh, breaking the puck out of five is is something that is just how we teach it as coaches, right? Yeah. What are some concepts that you guys think just on the breakout when it comes to like this positionless hockey that would be good for coaches to know? Yeah, I think I think for me the number one thing that we want to do with our number one guy, or you know, most of the time that's going to be your D one um, most of the time, but it could be a low forward is steering the player up and away from your net up the strong side. Okay, so you want to. You know, every every offensive team wants to 
be in good ice, right? Wants to be in the in bigger ice and, and where there's more space. So they try to get behind the net. They try to change sides. Our number one wants to steer up in the way, up and away. And and if we win the race to the puck, which is the most important thing, um, we want to make a hard play. That doesn't always mean just throwing it D to D. That might mean protecting it, letting our second person come in there and get the puck and now we have options do we go up the wall do we slip it to the the front of the net um so for me staring up and away making sure that we have good second second quick support um with our number two guy and then the third guy has to realize okay you're probably getting the puck at some point so it's either middle or we're coming out the weak side so then you're calling for your bumps and you're communicating to one and two what you want done with the puck right and then you get into you know, pushing on possession from the wingers where, okay, we've got to open up and be an option on the wall above the hash, shoulder checking, understanding where the pressure is. Our weak side wing has to come over and slash support, um, which would be our four guy, right? So five is going to open up for the puck, four is going to slash support. And then your one who was the guy who, you know, hopefully hit and pinned and stopped the cycle is going to be your weak side D, right? So there's so many different um, things that go into it. A lot of it is communication, realizing where you're at. And again, um, making sure that positionless, like everyone is filling a role here, right? I think Anthony Noreen does a great job of explaining on your breakout, you need to have an above option, you need to have an under option, you need to have an over option, and you need to have a back option, right? So it doesn't matter who those players are, but those are your options on your exits. Yeah, I like that. It's a lot in there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you getting going. I get verbose. You got excited. <laughs> verbose. <laughs> Big word. Uh, the other thing that it, it kind of ties along with this, and we can go to neutral zone next, is that the way that a lot of teams are playing in their neutral zones now, it's not necessarily a defenseman that's always going back to get that puck to be number one. You know, your D are up, they're gapped, and they're they're playing aggressively, trying to you know cause a dump in or cause a turnover in the neutral zone, and so a lot of times it might be your uh, you know your offside. Um, forward that's going back if it's a cross corner dump or, or if it's a rim a lot of times it could be a tracking guy that might be the first guy to go back and get the puck and so when it comes to just kind of like that connectivity like we were talking about from neutral zone into a breakout like Ras, you guys were always really good in the neutral zone is that something that you talked about a lot is that something that you saw in pre-scouting with with other teams um, like what what are your thoughts on that for sure and I, I think it I think it goes into the the mindset and the communication of the identity from the coaching staff of how we want to play, right? So if we want to be we want to be an offensive team, we want to get up and down the ice, we want to be aggressive, and we want to take away time and space. Okay, this is why we we're doing these things, right? We want our D to be, have strong gaps forwards. You guys have to be willing to be able to. You have to feel comfortable and confident in situations that you may not have grown up doing. You know, going back to retrieve pucks, picking up a puck in the neutral zone. Uh, and getting around it and getting it up the ice. So I, I think it comes with um, the communication from the coaching staff of, hey, this is how we want to play. These are the things that we're going to have to do. And then not always in practice having drill and having drills just so structured. If you're going to work on regroups, don't just do it with the D going D to D. You know what I mean? Put guys in positions that they might not be in all the time. You know what I mean? So they can get comfortable with doing things that are just a little bit different than what they might know. So I think from a coach's perspective, I think the more you can get guys in those situations to kind of push themselves out of their comfort zones a little bit. And it's not anything that's crazy hard skill-wise to do. There's skill that goes into it. Um, but I think um, 
just getting them the repetitions of doing it, I think is, is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to it. You talk about the connectivity, like, and the identity. So you want to play fast, which most coaches would probably say you want to do now, like in the offensive zone. And again, everything connects a lot of times D are going to be up D whether they're, you know, scissoring down the wall, whether they're going through the the middle of the ice, you know, we have a couple D that like to play net front at times, (laughs) which is, which is pretty interesting. Um, But then like, let's say the puck gets flipped out into the neutral zone that D's down there. Well, our F3 has got to go back and now he's got to support the D. Right. So again, it like the way that in this whole overarching um, positionless hockey thing that we're talking about, a lot of it, like as I'm thinking out loud right now, it does kind of connect. It's because everything connects and because it's so such a mobile game now and because the D are always up in the play and because the F3 is so important and because we want to play aggressively, a lot of the positionless has to do with just how connected it is. What do you guys think about that? You guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. And I think everything, it's funny, like when you, as a coach, when you break down video, you see how connected everything is, right? Your breakouts feed into your rush offense, feed into your OZP, feed into your reloads, feed into your rush coverage, feed into your coming into D zone, feed into your defensive zone coverage. Everything's connected. And I think I think the more you can get, and, and I think one of the challenges for youth hockey is the more you can get people to understand puck support and spacing and uh, what everyone's job is on the ice, I think the more you see positionless hockey, right? So, yeah, you're going to have some serious, especially at the the younger levels, you'll have some serious mistakes and things like that. But at the end of the day, when the kids matriculate through your program and climb the ladder, they're going to be so much better for it at the older ages, understanding where support has to come from and how connected every play is in hockey. Um, so I think absolutely like positionless hockey comes from the connectivity of the entire game. Yeah. And it goes back to even player development, just all the things that you're talking about. I think the biggest thing that we can do as coaches, whether it's youth coaches needing to get players to the next level, you know, junior hockey coaches to college, college to pro junior to pro, whatever it may be. Um, our most important job is to develop versatile players. I think players that know how to play in different ways. And we talked about it. You know, there's there's certain, let's call it roles, that are dying breeds <laughs> in hockey today because I feel like kids at such young ages are getting pegged and pigeonholed as a, a defensive defenseman or a speedy winger or whatever. Where, But at the end of the day, if you want to get up to the next level, there's going to be a player like that that's already there. So you <laughs> might have to uh, play a different role or be adapt. asked to play a different position, adapt, right? And so I, I just, it, it's so important we're developing versatile players. I mean, if, as a former college coach, you know, like how important is that? Tools in your tool belt, right? Yeah. If you're going into a job, you know what I mean? The more tools you have on your tool belt, the more jobs you're going to be able to do. And I think, um, like, like, like you said, you go into a team that already you're going as a freshman into a, into a college team that might have some sophomores, juniors, and seniors. You might have to find a little bit of a different role. You might have to find different ways to add value to the game, right? It's not always going to be if you're a um, like uh, Teddy Donato always used to say, like for our high skilled forwards. Um, that we had at Harvard, like to round out, he always wanted those guys to kill penalties. 
Um, one, because we like scoring shorthanded goals, but two um, is, hey, when you get a shot in the National Hockey League, you're going to have to be probably a third or fourth line guy. You're going to go in, you're going to have to earn your stripes, you're going to have to be able to add value to the game and be responsible defensively. And if you can kill penalties and do that and keep your spot in the lineup, the better chance you're going to have. So when you get a chance to go play top six minutes, and then you can stick, right? But you have to be able to be able to fill that different role within the game. And the more versatile you are, the more tools you have in your tool belt, the, the better you're going to be able to do that. Yeah, and you worked at the pro level. You worked at Major Junior. Like, how would you describe what we're talking about at those levels too? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think as you as you climb through the ranks, the the you need to be a Swiss Army Knife player. Right and and define define that for people who so, might not know what that is. So you need to be able to, like Ras was saying, like you're saying, fill a role, whatever that may be. And the guys who make it long term, like not everyone is your is your tip of the of pyramid, top one percent guy like McDavid or Crosby or Matthews, but guys that make it into the league, you know, Jake Gensel and guys that have to sit like Manjapain and all those guys that have to work at it like they the guys that are able to to be pe- good penalty killers and think it's cool to block a shot and cool to back check really hard and understand like okay I have to be smarter in this situation than than this guy right now cuz I'm just not there yet to be able to be that Swiss army knife and fill any role on a team and then when you get your chance to showcase your offensive ability and and have a longer leash per se um then you take advantage of it but the guys that really um, are the the upper the the middle class guys in the NHL to the middle echelon guys like the more you can bring to the table for your teammates and and help the team win the longer your leash is going to be to to stick around and I think that's being a Swiss Army knife and thinking doing all the the little things right and is really cool you know yeah. what I mean yeah yeah for sure we had uh, um, I won't say any names but there was a coach who was talking to me about <laughs> how he liked to change change positions up and change lines up and parents weren't very happy about it. And he's a long time. I think, I think he might be a thousand game NHL player. And he's like, Hey, we need kids need to know how to play with different players. Kids need to know how to play different positions. And parents left the organization (laughs) to go to a different one because uh, they didn't agree with the guy who played a thousand games in the NHL. And so it's interesting stuff, right? It is. Very interesting. Gotta love, gotta love youth hockey. Um, okay, so we talked about the D zone, talked a little bit about the neutral zone. I feel like the offensive zone is kind of the the big one that people always talk about positionless hockey um, and and how movement from defense and forwards and all that is is so important, especially the way that teams are defending in the D zone nowadays. Um, w- what are some concepts, Ras? I'll go to you. What are some concepts in the O zone that you think? Um, you know, coaches can use when it comes to what we're talking about in quote unquote positionless hockey. Yeah, I, I think the one, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about this in the offensive zone was watching the USHL over the past couple of years, uh, the teams that do it well. Um, watching Chicago play um, over the last two years and what they do, um, they would have moments, and you would just sit there as a, and it just a, at some point you almost turn into a fan be like, well, this is pretty entertaining. There is just constant motion. There are, there are guys that are not afraid to move the D or jumping down the forwards or rolling up the wall. Everybody's filling for each other, but it was, there was obviously there were concepts involved and there were, they were so comfortable with that. And they had obviously 
that that confidence came through repetition, um, where they would sustain possession for 30, 45 seconds to a minute sometimes and not even blink an eye, and the other team wouldn't touch the puck. Like, it was it was yeah. entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, so I, I think some, like, like, like those guys, and you, the thing that stuck out to me, the, the D were not afraid to jump. The coaches obviously gave those guys the confidence and the ability to go down there and do it. Um, and there was, there was some predictability in what they were doing. Um, and for me, like, I think giving guys that structure, you can't just say, all right, guys, go play. I think there has to be some structure yeah. and there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but, um, just some different concepts to say, Hey, when the forwards rolling up the wall D we want you guys to move, right? Don't just be stuck there. I think that's the one thing that I see with a lot of, um, especially at the younger levels where, all right, D you got to stand on the blue line here. D you got to stand on the blue line here. Um, and when, when you watch the NHL or you watch USHL or college hockey, um, there's guys moving all over the place. Right, so to create and, and have to give your guys the flexibility to be able to do that, I think it's going to open up a lot of ice. It's going to open up a lot of plays. And I know as a forward from when I played, playing against a defenseman, trying to cover a defenseman that's looking to go and looking to jump and everything, sucks. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? I want my, if I'm playing D zone coverage and I'm a winger down low, I want my defenseman to stand out of the blue line. It's easy. It's easy. Just stand there, stay in the shot lane and without doing <laughs> get in the lane. Right. But when guys are looking to go and guys are looking to jump, like it makes the it's hard to play against. Right. Yeah. How about you? Anything specifically, um, like a tactic or where you want D or forwards to go, certain situations that you think you see a lot? Yeah, I think I think and make no make no mistake, like the Chicago Steels and Tri City, like there's structure within that creativity. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think um, you know, we have we have things that we put in place um, where we have decision lines on the ice where forwards aren't allowed to go low to high anymore, and that's when the D get active. And and the D trust the forwards that they're not going to throw the puck up to them. So now, you know, it comes back to spatial awareness. Am I going down the wall, um, which we call a D down, and, or am I going through the middle, which we call a D drive? Am I sliding inside the dots because that winger is cutting the top on the boards and the lane to the top is open um, in the dot lane and the weak side D is coming down? So there's a lot of things we do, um, but it's structured, right? Because the structure, I believe, protects the individual players so they can have the trust that, okay, like this is a situation where I'm driving through the middle of the ice, my weak side D is coming over, I can get a slip, I might go to the net front, um, but everything is structured um, so that people know different like, you know, reads and spatial awareness things and, and all that. Um, I think as a coach, a young coach, if you build this into your curriculum as you go through the year and say, hey, listen, like we're going to try this play when this happens and then you'll see that the players start to actually get a little creative on their their own you know you might get a, a high scissor that you're like wow that was actually pretty cool um so i think you start from a, a you know for all the coaches listening like if you want to add some of this creativity stuff in the offensive zone just do one thing for three weeks and get real good at it and then throw in another wrinkle and i think that's kind of how you build the layer of the onion and with you know different deactivation things yeah, for sure. And with that, you have to be comfortable with it Failure. looking really bad. 100 <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You're going to give yeah. up a 3 on <laughs> Yeah, And it's okay. It's okay. There's going to be mistakes. Yep. And that's okay. And you have to be comfortable in your own skin that you don't care about winning enough that you might lose a 3-1 game when you could have won 2-1 and it would be a snooze fest, dump in fest. Like, you have to be okay with, yeah, you know, we lost that, but we did some good things. I got some good teaching video right now. Yeah. Yeah. Parents? Well, I mean, listening. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest issue. <laughs> we gave up two three on O's. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> but we learned from it. <laughs> but we won five nothing three weeks later, right. so yeah. it's all good, right? Yeah, it's uh like it's it's interesting. You talk about offensively and a lot of this positionless hockey. You know, when you think about creating offense and creating time and space, a lot of it is trying to create some confusion on the ice For with sure. the defensive team. Like the more predictable. And, and vanilla you are, I mean, again, you're not going to give up as many goals if you're that structured and predictable. Um, but there's this sense like you want to create switches. You want to create um, different things where guys are getting confused on the ice and they got to communicate it out. I mean, pretty much every single team sucks at sorting things out. 100%. <laughs> Especially coming back into detail. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the biggest weakness of probably 90% of every hockey team that's ever played. Um, maybe compete level at all ages one. at all ages yeah even, even at the pros. even at the highest yeah. levels yeah. right so the, the more you can incorporate some of this position positionless stuff where they are you know doing certain things and not afraid to get up in the rush not afraid to get up in the ozone if forwards aren't afraid to do certain things where they're bringing pucks back and it's uh i don't know it's just a fun way to to play hockey i think it's a great way to teach hockey sense to um great way to teach versatility which is what we all want at the higher levels in our players and yeah but the hardest part about it is number one kind of having these conversations and defining what it is like it's not just like okay five players let's go like just go play like that's not what hockey is either and and I to a fault used to be like that you know I and and I grew up I've talked about a Russian coach that I've had all the time um, where we didn't have any systems, we didn't really have any structure, but then, like, when you really go back to the practices, and I've talked to my dad about it, I was like, no, there was some. Like, there was certain, like, ideas that you had to kind of follow and things like that. So um, it just it's, it's really important to um, just really f- not be afraid to do it at yeah. the end of the day. I, I, think, I think the most important thing, if you trust your players and early on in the season you build – the identity component of your team where, okay, these are the non-negotiables without the puck. Back-checking gaps, you know, understanding, um, you know, how to how to protect against your failures if you do fail and have layers of protection. Um, to me, that's when it can get real fun offensively with all this positionless and, and all that. And, you know, obviously there's a defensive element to it, but if you if you can cover up for your mistakes with hard work and just, heart and balls we call it and identity stuff then it gets real fun because you have a group that's totally bought in and you know they know like okay he screwed up but i'm gonna cover for him here and off we go yeah like i i for for my guys like and maybe it's different the higher you go but maybe not i just i will never yell at a player for turning a puck over if he stops and his first three strides are back hard 100 percent. and everybody else is doing the same thing now if he turns a puck over and does a loop <laughs> and then then we're gonna have an issue that's a problem. <laughs> or like the, t- problem. the the standing still, toe drag, blue line turnover. I got a problem with that one. I or the reaction of where you throw your hands and stick in the air like yeah. a shrug, be like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, I think. Somebody, It was somebody else's fault too, yeah, right? Always. Oh, God. Yeah, we love those ones. <laughs> um, okay, so a couple other things that I have. Um, one, I think, has to do with, I think players today 
in this positionless hockey really need to understand how to play one-on-ones both offensively and defensively if you're going to be put in these different situations on the ice. Whether you're a forward and you have to understand how to play a one-on-one defensively, you might be down low, you might be even taking a rush. Whether you're a defenseman and maybe you got to create time and space for yourself in the offensive corner because you just, you know, drove down the middle of the the ice and then there was a shot retrieval that you get. How important do you think, like, one-on-one puck protection, one-on-one defensively plays are, like, even in practice? I think it's huge. And again, it boils down for me and just confidence from repetition, right? If, if there's a kid who's put in a situation in a game where he's facing a one-on-one and he's never done it before, or he, he you know what I mean? He hasn't practiced doing it. Uh, he's probably not going to feel very comfortable doing it. You know, I, I think that's just, you put, see a forward, like 85 feet on his gap, yeah, just, like just waiting just for the first thing. Yeah. And, and, NHL 94. <laughs> I think yeah. there, yeah, I think there's some basic fundamental details in, in playing one-on-ones that everybody should learn. You know what I mean? Having a good gap, trusting your skating, put your, like having a good stick. You know what I mean? And if you just do a few of these fun, you don't have to be Nicholas Lidstrom back there. But just being able to do some basic fundamental things on both sides of the puck, I, I think, is very important. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that comes through just repetition. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing with any of this uh, stuff, especially the positionless and recovering and defensively, offensively creating space, are your angles to what you do. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much that can get accomplished just by forcing people into bad ice and angling properly and stick position and the little, like, details that go into winning a one-on-one. I think offensively and defensively, like, deception, you know what I mean? Like, when you have to create some time and space or you're in a – you're about to lose a transition and your F3 is covering for the D and you're trying to get a – of back checking forward to angle someone off into bad ice to let our track pressure catch them. Um, I think that so much of one-on-one hockey comes from angling and putting your opponent in bad ice, right? We call it bad ice, bad position, whatever. Um, And I think so much of it just is like, okay, let me do my job here. It might not be the instant gratification of getting the puck back or staying in the offensive zone, but let me do my job here so that my teammates can recover and get back into little bit of structure yeah angles and sticks it's pretty simple angles and sticks you want to be good defensively if you can angle and you got a good stick you can play a lot of years of hockey yep. and you're not afraid to soak a shot <laughs> I'll soak it. you guys should have seen it in our men's league game last night dougie took one right right here right in the arm well he can handle he's got big biceps <laughs> just like you uh, pipe cleaners. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Well, this was uh, this was good. Anything else? Like anything else that you think needs to be talked about, or anything you guys have heard? Any cool ideas on how to practice certain things when it comes to this stuff? No, I think Ras touched on this a little bit um, about putting people in position to be uncomfortable. Like the more you can you can switch it up in practice and get their minds to to work a little bit. You know, like we do it. Uh, three on three low box out drill where, you know, we'll have D play the, or forwards play the point um, where, you know, we get transition. We're asking the forwards to now like surf and, and support each other up, up top. Like anything that you can do, you know, to have a, um, a, a the guys mix it up a little bit, I think is hugely important um, for all hockey. Cause then they start to understand, okay, like when I'm going back for a puck, this is what the D's seeing. So maybe it changes their mind a little bit. Because um, every every support. bench ever 
like there's always at some point during the year where the Fords are just want to kill the D. Oh yeah, and then the D right back want to kill the Fords. Like no one's <laughs> open. No one's open. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think the more you can let people get into other people's heads on your team, um, I think it's important. No so, detail can be overlooked. I like it. I like it. Well, good stuff, guys. Um, we I'm do just ha- waiting for the ad reads. That's what we're doing. Well, now we're we're towards the end here, so we're half an hour in. And so, Wardo, since you really, you know, wanted to give this to Rass, the first one, why don't you, well, you know this one, Gel Sticks. I mean, Lounzy's your boy. Lounzy, my boy, he's been coming out with some fire tweets lately that I've seen. I love him. He has been coming out with yeah. some tweets. What is it like? He's just things he hears yeah, in like the ring? Youth, it's mostly like U10 youth hockey feedback, which is great. You know what I mean? Love and it. I love, uh, I love reading Lounz's tweets, and Lounz uh, has the Gel Stick company, and I'll be honest with you, we probably need a few of these here at the Storm. Uh, gel sticks, it's a uh, a weighted stick training aid that will, whether you want to increase your shot or just, uh, you know, it's probably a good training tool to have your stick on the ice at all times. Coming into D-Zone, we talk about that. Like, you got to have your stick down. But, no, Lowndes does a great job with gel sticks. I think they've moved into the, the golf market, too. So, great job, Lowndes. Gel sticks, training aid of the future here for uh, for hockey players. There you go. Coupon code? Think tank, one word, get a discount on your training sticks. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Rass, train heroic. <laughs> you train. did really good on this one last I've, time. I've butchered this one a lot. Vex, you got to attack Rass. <laughs> I know. But uh, train heroic, I mean, I, obviously everyone's always looking for resources and a leg up, right? And trying to find ways to enhance your training. Um, Vex has an awesome program. Uh, I know our guys in Tri-City use it. And, um again it's it's just look always looking for ways to get better looking for ways to 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 gain a step or uh just just gain an advantage over your competition train heroic what's the um the name of it ripped ripped hockey ripped hockey but it's r-i-p-t of course it is (laughs) because yeah of course it is (laughs) and it's for anybody too so you can be an elite hockey player wanting to get better uh you can i think Vex also has a hot mom's workout. I think that's actually what it's called on Train Heroic as well. So a couple different things for a couple different uh, types of clientele. So whether you want to be an athlete, whether you just want to be a little bit healthier, uh, go to Train Heroic, look up Ripped Hockey, and then uh, Ice Hockey Systems, Wardo. Yeah, Ice Hockey Systems, I'll tell you what, they've been coming out with some fire tweets too lately, and you know, Ice Hockey Systems gives us here as coaches, a resource to uh, practice plan, and um, there's a lot more value that it provides in there with practice drills and, and different ideas, and uh, they do a fantastic job. We certainly love their support here at the Windy City Storm. Yes, Shout sir. out to Ice Hockey System. They threw me a follow on Twitter. There you go. Ice Hockey System. Must be the go. ad reads. <laughs> it's got to yeah. be the ad reads. There we go. It's that nice hat. Yeah, those guys, are, <laughs> those guys are awesome. They do such a good job, provide such a great resource. Uh, it's been a huge value add for, for us in planning our practices and stuff. And uh, if you're an organization, we've partnered with them, the Hockey Think Tank and Ice Hockey Systems, to have an association platform where you can get this for all of your coaches. Uh, again, you can uh, draw drills up. You can send them to your players, send them to your coaches before practice. Um, you can store them so you got this whole big drill library just for your for your program uh we've also given them the hockey think tank parent survival guide so you can give that to every single one of your parents within your organization uh just to give them some perspective on what it means to be a hockey parent and how to help your kid through the journey and through the process of of getting to wherever they want to get to in this fun crazy insane youth hockey world so thank you to ice hockey systems and then finally uh we want to thank everybody that tunes in we've been getting some great feedback from these windy city storm roundtables here um so we appreciate all the kind words 
and and uh, if you guys have anything that you want us to talk about uh, shoot me a, a DM or shoot me an email tofer at the hockey think tank.com if you have any questions even about some of the stuff that we've been talking about feel free to reach out uh, with this stuff too sometimes we can get going pretty quickly we, we talk about this stuff all the time so we can just get her going get her going get her going so um, anything but we appreciate all your support thank you thank you thank you so much and we hope you guys have a great week